Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Und läuft dann in Keeper Freisel rein. Ayrdale vollendet. 4 zu 0. Beste. Ball kommt in die Mitte. Und zu Kleindienst. Kleindienst. Güter. Linke Seite ist blank. Vielleicht. Ja, vielleicht. Vielleicht zieht er ihn in Salazar. Hello and welcome to our first episode of 2024 for the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Welcome back. It's been um, quite a ride. We've been on holiday enjoying ourselves and the action got back underway last weekend. And on today's edition, we'll be discussing all of the action from match day 18. There were plenty of surprise results, important wins for some and others. Wishing they had stayed on the winter break as these 18 titans of German football emerged from the winter break, hopeful for better things. The big talking point sort of throughout the winter break certainly was, again, the DFL stuff and 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 the protesting, which we did see throughout the weekend uh, as, as, as teams who didn't get the opportunity to, to do so, um, protests within their own stadium did so and... Yeah, very important that 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 message is out and about. Um, And yeah, there's obviously a lot to discuss, but we'll stick to the on-field action for the moment. And that begins now. Holstein Kiel will kick us off. They were top at at the end of the Hinrunde, and they were hoping to continue that form against a resurgent Eintracht Braunschweig that started to pick up points uh, towards the end of of December. They had two consecutive wins under Daniel Schoening and were looking a much improved team. Um, as we did see with his previous spells, he, he's, he's a manager who can get some good results early on. It's just whether they can sustain that and they couldn't have got off to a worse possible start. Uh, they had a set piece in their own you know, corner kick. It's cleared by Tom Rorta. And Steven Skripsky inside his own half uh, catches Ron Torbenhoffman off his line and and uh, puts the ball in the back of the net. His sixth goal of the campaign. And <laughs> that's just such a rough way to start for Braunschweig. But in spite of this uh, early blip, they defended quite well in this game. And a lot of that did come down to RTH. You, you look at how big of a goalkeeper he is in terms of making saves at crucial times and when Kiel were really pressing the button uh, he he was he was massive if you look at the, the Marvin Schultz save in the first half denied Lewis Holtby they get that set piece Kiel and you think they might get another one Finn Porat absolutely laces one into a defender and from there they counter uh, Ryan Philippe who's been really good since he's been implemented into the starting 11 and it makes you wonder uh, why Jens Hertel didn't like start like uh, like starting him or playing him for that matter. Uh, Philippe does fantastically well, drives it to the byline, whips it back in, and, and Fabio Kaufmann, who has been brilliant for Braunschweig this season, he scores. It's his fifth goal of the campaign, and it's one-one at the break. And Braunschweig really took that momentum. They they were really good to start the second half, and this time it's Philippe who gets the second goal. Classy finish, really classy finish, given that, you know, Timon Viner was really barreling down on him. Uh, just a brilliant goal. They could have scored more. I think if there was one criticism about Philippe in this game, he, he butchered a few chances. 
And, and, and although he had one taken away because of offside, which was, again, a really nice finish, um, he did have a couple of other chances where he, he perhaps should have made the most of them. Um, and it did it did put them under a little bit of pressure as, as Kiel Richard really threw the kitchen stink, yeah, stink, the kitchen sink at Braunschweig. And the best chance came in stoppage time from a set piece. Not particularly cleared. It found Finn Becker and, and Becker just... Um, not Finn Becker, Timo Becker. I'm still on holiday, it seems. Uh, Becker had that open header, and, and again, Hoffman denied him. Um, fantastic win for Braunschweig. They've now won three on the trot. And more importantly, something that I don't think any of us would have seen for, for most of this season, uh, they're out of the bottom two. They're not in a direct relegation spot uh, with that win... Um, they've scored more goals, which is as to why they're ahead of Hansa Rostock. And they're only a point behind Kaiserslautern, who occupies the final safety spot. It's it's remarkable. They, they've they really not done a whole lot. Um, but you can just see Schoening has identified players to, to to put more time into, and it's worked the treat for them. They're like, they're really, it, it's quite amazing, to be honest. Um, yeah. It, it just I didn't foresee it. I thought they were done. I was you know ready to ride them off to the Drita League with Osnabrück, and yeah, you can just see they've got that different mentality and 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 the game style that Schoening's implementing actually allows them to be a bit more creative. They want to go forward, um, and the numbers even show that they were more than happy to play off the break. But <laughs> look, they gave up twenty five shots on goal, granted, but they had sixteen of their own. They had the better. They were able to create better quality opportunities, and and it, which is why, you know, I I believe they should have scored more than the two goals, um, and you know they 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 missed a few really good chances to put the game away, and it set up for a pretty tense affair. Kiel is a bit of an interesting one because there is a, there's got to be some disappointment here. They they really controlled the game for the most part, but their transitional defense was was put under a lot of pressure from Braunschweig, from Kaufman, from Philippe, um, you know, Helgeson, uh, Gomez, John Gomez as well. And look, they, they were extremely wasteful in the final third because they got the shots they wanted. You know, they, they were able to, to really play through quite well. Skripsky was really good in this game, but you just can't help but feel that they, they left it all on the table and, Braunschweig said, thank you. Oh, I'll, I'll take every bit of what you've got and more. And um, yeah, I think it's disappointing. You know, that it's their first defeat since October. Um, so it's been a long time since they've um, they've tasted defeat, but maybe that might spur them on. Thought structurally, they were fine. Uh, midfield was, was as you would expect. Uh, was relatively solid. I thought Porat had a really good game. It did feel though they they were missing Philips under those as as you know Marvin Schultz was fine, um, but they just yeah I feel like with Zander they're just a bit of a different beast uh, collectively. Yeah, they'll be disappointed because the in the ebbs that they had they were in control, um, but yeah Braunschweig super opportunistic and deserving of the three points for them. Uh, I suppose some other important things that came out of this game is Anthony Uja made his return after his injury that kept him out for most of the Hinrunda. 
that's another positive. And it's actually going to be really interesting to see how he fits into this team because they look very set with Gomez, with Philippe up top, Kaufman bringing a lot of width and creativity. So this is this is another fascinating dynamic. And I wonder, I, I'm really intrigued to see what they do, but they've also got Florian Kruger. Um, they've added midfield depth, depth with Nicolas Toyer, who was at Schalke through the Hinrunde, but Mainz fairly, I would say, cancelled his, his loan, uh, only making one appearance this season in the in the Zweite Bundesliga, bring him to Braunschweig. They want to see him to play more games, and yep, we'll see what kind of impact he can have on them. So heading into the weekend, uh, Kiel make the journey to Greutherford, which should be quite a fascinating game, given where Furt are at at the moment. And Braunschweig, well, they're off to Magdeburg, and first home game of the of 2024 for, for Braunschweig against what we know to be a very creative dynamic, challenging Magdeburg team. But you look at the next three games in particular for Braunschweig, Schalke away, you know, they, they will feel like they can... The way they're playing at the moment, they'll feel they can get a result against Schalke. They beat them... Um, they've beaten them in the league already this season. And then Karlsruhe, who have been a bit hot and cold. They phase in and out of games. So there's some some surprisingly winnable games or result, you know, draws on offer for Braunschweig. And as we know, in the fight to avoid relegation, every point is important. Let's see how they both get on. Now to the Milan Tour, St. Pauli versus Kaiserslautern. Kaiserslautern are desperate to break their horror run of league form against the St. Pauli team that, you know, look, still unbeaten. <laughs> Pretty cracking season so far. And yeah, St. Pauli get the win, two goals to nil. Elias Saad and Marcel Hartl on the score sheet. Hartl assisted the the open at such a good pass. Everything about the goal, they it's 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 um, winning the ball off turnover. It's such a great ball to find Saad. Saad's first touch is so important, and oh, it's glorious. Such a great first touch, and and then the finish equally as good. The second one, you know, Hartl profiting off. Eggestein's initial shot, which was saved by uh, Julian Kral, and uh, Hartel said, thank you very much. I will score my ninth goal of the season. And an interesting look from from Fabian Hertzler with the likes of Jackson Irvine and, and Connor Metcalf at the, um, at the Asian Cup for Australia, which we obviously hope. As an Australian, they go deep. I can imagine St. Pauli fans hope that they just return safely without injury. Um, so obviously, solutions needed to, to sort of uh, replace both of them. And out of lines, the obvious one for, for, for Metcalf and, you know, solid in the game. But the interesting one um, is, um, you know, Ayoisha Kaiman. Kaimlin? Kaimlin. I'm going to get that name right, I guarantee you. In a few weeks, Oyosha uh, Kaiman, Kaiman, and oh, I'm going to get that right eventually. He was good. I was really impressed. Um, you know, German U20 international, and really, I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching as well. With um, with Hertzler, we've seen it with with Irvine. He's missed he's missed games before this season, and whoever's fit in with Hardel has play, has done a job. And Kaimlin might actually, you know, he's not going to replace Irvine, but 
it's another really good option. I thought he impressed in his debut. And, um, yeah, it wasn't... I, I, I recall seeing on social media that Union fans weren't particularly happy to see him go on loan to get regular game time. The thought that maybe he should actually play for them, uh, given the season that they've had so far. But, um, yeah, I think if you were going to send someone out who could potentially get some game time, you'd probably send them to St. Pauli. Um, and, look, they reaped the benefits. Very good performance. Could have had a goal himself. Um, it does feel like 2-0, in a way, was a bit flattering. They could have they could have potentially won by a little bit more. In, in contrast, Kaiserslautern could have found the score sheet. Um, they had two unbelievable chances to do so, essentially inside the six-yard box. Both coming from... You know, one coming from uh, Mar- Marlon Ritter hitting the post, and the second one was a, as a corner not cleared by St. Pauli. And um, on both occasions, they should have scored. Like, it fell to a Kaiserslautern player, and whether they had two left feet or they forgot um, the shoot, what the shoot button was, yeah, it was pretty frustrating for them. I, I will say, the one thing I love about Marlon Ritter, in this game in particular... He's the kind of guy you play in, whether it's EAFC or Pez or whatever your tonic is for football, who will just shoot from anywhere, just because he can, because he's got the power. Um, he forced some great saves from from uh, Nikolai Vasil. He hit the woodwork as well. Um, I love the fact that he has no fear at just popping one from range. And um, yeah, he's a bit stiff not to get a goal, if I'm honest. He, he played quite well. He was one of a few um, for, for Kaiserslautern. But yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder what the reasoning was for them not starting Ragnar Ake. Um, to me, unless he, unless he's not still not a hundred percent, then I can understand. But yeah, I think when he's available, you just got to start him. He just gives them the dynamic that they, they haven't had up top, and yeah, you know, Daniel Hanslick's not partic- not really a striker. Neither is Richard Tashi. And they just sort of lacked a bit of, bit of oomph in that final third. Uh, a lot of it was really Ritter just having dips and and you know coming close. A bit of news, I guess, on Kaiserslautern. They've had a pretty busy winter, bringing in uh, Baymuka Simakala or Chance Simakala. Um, you know, was it was an interesting move. It has barely played at Kiel after he joined from Osnabrück. Um, which I think is a, a pretty decent move. Philip Kolach started this game uh, midfielder from the Czech Republic. He was he was fine alongside Tobias Reichel. Um So, yeah, it, it's kind of been an interesting window for them. But I think the, the, the way you look at it with um, Demetrius Gramotz's aside is that, yeah, something has to change, and it has to change rapidly. Because, um, they, look, they're a really good cup team. They play great cup football. Um, but ultimately, they're just not doing enough to get results. And, you know, with Braunschweig's upturn in form, this game against um, Schalke on the weekend, on Friday night, which is a world feed game, is massive. If they're, if they're genuinely serious about getting away from the, the relegation zone. They're going to have to start getting results. So, yeah, it, it is going to be fascinating. Uh, there was two other signings they made throughout the window, which my mind has hit a blank. There we go. Dixon Abiyama, 
uh, and Frank Ronstadt. Ronstadt and Abiyama both didn't play in this game. So Ronstadt can play a bit of right back. And obviously Abiyama, striker. Um, known, you know, he's a hot and cold striker. I think he can give you some good punch up forward. And obviously letting Terence Boyd, you know, selling him to, to vault off Mannheim, a saga that went on what seemed like forever during the winter break, eventually got resolved. So he'll play for them uh, during the Rukrunda. So, yep, Kaiserslautern have Schalke. Uh, St. Pauli, the other World Feed game, they got Fortuna Dusseldorf. That is the late Saturday night kickoff, the top spiel. Should be a really good game and, and a good test for St. Pauli. You know, the, the Merkur Spiel Arena is quite the fortress. It is also going to be the second of the Fortuna for All initiative. Uh, fans to get in for free. Um, really good initiative that. Let's head to the Felsons Arena. This was the top game of match day 18. It's Schalke against Hamburg. Schalke had entered the winter break in not bad form, unbeaten in their last three, starting to progress up the table, starting to pick up points, more importantly. Hamburg ended 2023 with a win. Form had been a little bit patchy in the last few, but, you know, they need wins to, to maintain the pace, whether it's with Kiel, whether it's with St. Pauli. Thought Hamburg's start to the game was a bit was much better, a lot more intensity, the real desire to to press and, and really intimidate Schalke. And actually where, where they, they beat Schalke in the end was their transition game. They were fantastic in transition. And look, you call it mental concentrations disappearing players not picking up assignments, however you want to sort of word it. Poor defending is the only way you can describe what Schalke produced in the first half. They were very poor. And both goals were, were brilliantly worked from, from Hamburg. The first one, uh, Ignaz van der Bremt does so well, just drives it the, on, on the touchline. No one really doing anything. You know that Thomas Orvillan is not the most defensively inclined fullback, it has to be said. Um, but Vanderbrem, brilliant ball in. And, and Emmanuel Fright, like, God, he's not the tallest player in the world. But it's not like you can't miss him. He's wearing a white jersey. And it's a cracking ball. Easy header. I, I wonder if Fairman was just a bit indecisive of whether he should go or not. Because he kind of gets nowhere. And, yeah, gets absolutely torched. Brilliant goal. 1-0. And the second goal is it's Jean-Luc Dompe. Uh, finding Laszlo Benes. Benes, it's his ninth goal of the campaign. 2-0 at the break. Schalke were better in the second half, for mine. I think they were the better team. They were unlucky. Look, they, look, they were a little bit unlucky in this game. They hit the woodwork three times. Uvoyan twice. The the first one was the free kick in the first half, which would have been an unbelievable goal in, a, in, a, in a, on a weekend that had so many fantastic goals. Um then he had the volley inside the box, and then Lazma had a sort of a consolation um, woodwork hit in uh, stoppage time. But the second half shows that they were able to get forward a bit more with, with a bit more emphasis. They they made one change at halftime. Did Carol Gerrits bring on Ron Schallenberg for Blendy Idrizzi? Idrizzi didn't particularly have a strong game and was subsequently yanked at the half. But there's got to be some disappointment. So, you, you just, yeah. I think just the lack of impact, really. 
Um, and it, it's hard to really to point fingers specifically at the area of where um, Schalke got it wrong. But yeah, they, they, they were sort of, in many ways, punched in the mouth. And it wasn't until they were 2-0 down that they realised the severity of the issues that they were succumbing to offensively. Um, so, look, they, they've got some work to do. And the next three games are, are, quite, are very important for them. Two of them against sides in, the, in that sort of relegation playoff relegation battle um first being Kaiserslautern we mentioned massive game must win you're venturing into must win territory not just for the fact that Braunschweig are coming um but also for the fact that the more this lingers the more pressure you're going to put on Gerrards the more pressure that these players are going to fall themselves onto onto Braunschweig then following up in a home game and then Kiel away so you know massive three massive three weeks of football for them. Um, it'll be interesting to see they get uh, they get John uh, Derry John Merkin comes back from suspension, and potentially they might have Darko Chulinov. That again, another one of those long-winded sagas that will he, won't he? Obviously, wants to come back to Schalke. We'll see if that deal ends up getting done, but the reports have suggested that a loan deal from Burnley is going to happen. And and if you look at a player who brought so much joy. In that promotion, you're chilling off uh, Rodrigo Zalazar, who scored an absolute corker um, in in Portugal for Braga uh, during the winter break. That was that that brought a lot of people a lot of joy. So that was pretty awesome uh, for Hamburg. Look, <laughs> it's quite an interesting one because the second half they they sort of shut up shop. You know, they were out outdone eighteen to four in shots on goal. They didn't really have to do much. Stay strong, uh, stay solid defensively. I really love the game from Stefan Ambrosius. I thought he was fantastic. And given what happened at the Afcon with uh, with Ghana losing to Cape Verde, I look, I would have probably taken Ambrosius, but I know Hamburg fans were thrilled that he he wasn't picked, and for good reason. Sebastian Schonler is their best defender. We know that Mario Vuskovic would be their second best defender. Hopefully, that will get resolved. But if you look at like Hansi Kardunic, Guillermo Ramos, and Stefan Ambrosius, Ambrosius is the next guy. Uh, time and time again, I don't know why he hasn't featured often. We we understand his his injury history, but he's the he's the next best that they've got. So if Sean Lau is, is is healthy, surely it's Ambrosius and Sean Lau. He was brilliant. I, I really liked his game, and he 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 was fantastic on in keeping away Kekatop. And Simon Toronto from the goal. And that's not to say Ramos wasn't bad. He was he was also very good in this game. Defensively, they were very strong. But yeah, you know. Important. Important clean sheet for Hamburg. They haven't they've been a bit underwhelming sometimes defensively. Uh, they've got Karlsruhe in their first home game of the new year. Then they're at Hertha Berlin and then at home for Hanover on Friday night. Let's take our first break. And on the other side, we spoke about Hertha just then. We'll talk about them when they welcome Fortuna Dusseldorf to the Olympia Stadium. It was a somber mood at the Olympia Stadium on Sunday afternoon when Hertha hosted Fortuna Dusseldorf. Somber being that, in case you have missed it, the surprising passing of Hertha president Kai Bernstein. Bernstein 
was very much a Hertha lifer. He was a part of the ultra group growing up and won his election to become president of Hertha BHC. He passed away during the winter break, aged 43. What he'd done to the club in terms of improving the, the club's image throughout this difficult time was was more than remarkable. And he's a significant loss to not only Hertha, but to German football as a whole. The on-field action, well, it was cagey. It was a tough game that both sides really didn't do a whole lot of. But it was also a tale of two halves and, and a fantastic 2-2 game to eventually digest. As someone who hasn't scored for quite a long time was Harris Tabakovic. He had to go all the way back to match day 10 for his last goal. He scored a brace in that game against Paderborn. But he broke his duck for the new year, scoring on 10 minutes. Turnover from Fortuna Dusseldorf. An easy pass to Tabakovic, and Tabakovic makes a fantastic finish past Florian Kastenmeier. The game sort of ebbed and flowed, and no team really gained the ascendancy, although Hertha seemed the more stronger in the first half, so they would have been really annoyed when Isak Johansson got his first goal in Fortuna Colours in the league. He did have a hat-trick against Unterhaking in the Paul Carl. Uh, his first league goal, it's a brilliant goal to beat Tiak Ernst um, from distance. And you thought, 1-1 at the break, surely. Except Fortuna Dusseldorf just completely melted down. A terrible mistake from Florian Kastenmeier. Derry Schoenhardt still had so plenty to do, and Schoenhardt from range uh, just popped one, and, and Kastenmeier had only himself to blame. Uh, Schoenhardt was in Schoenhardt was in for um, the injured, or the ill, uh, Fabian Rieser. They'll be, I can't wait to get him back into the fray. But Fortuna much better in the second half. They really took control of the game, and they would get a penalty uh, just uh, just moments into the second half, Mike Oliver Kent made well a complete hash of a attempted challenge on uh, Jonas Nimitz penalty. Christoph Solis from the spot, yes, it's good. He's got eight goals this season, and you wouldn't believe you're like, but five minutes later, it happened again. Kemp conceding another penalty, but this time Solis completely went wild on the radar, and missed wide left. Awful miss. Truly, I can't understand how you, you can't hit the target from that close. He misses. A lot of disappointment for, for Fortuna in the end. They didn't get a result that they would have wanted. 2-2 um, is your final. It's been a bit of a weird winter for, for Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yes, they brought in uh, Christoph Daferner, who who made a cameo in this game. You got the Ayo Tanaka saga, where he opted not to go to the Asian Cup in order to figure out what his future was with, excuse me, Fortuna Dusseldorf. He played in this game, and it it's kind of a weird one because if he if they don't choose to sell, there's the potential he can leave for a much cheaper fee um, in the summer. So, you know, off-field, it's been a bit disappointing for them. But I, I suppose the result, the draw is something, but it's not exactly what they're looking for. They, you know, the, the league's best attacking team really, you know, missed an opportunity to, to really close, you know, keep the pace with, with your Hamburgs, your Kiels. We'll talk about Furt later on. Um, but disappointing, I think, would be the, the understatement of this game for them. They just 
they really dominated the second half. They had the two penalties and, you know, they just missed their opportunity. They really missed their opportunity here because I think Herder were, were quite vulnerable as a whole um, on the pitch. And, it, yeah, it's, yeah, the second penalty was just a shocker. Um, yeah, I think I think with Herter, it's 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 a result. Look, two consecutive draws for them. Unbeaten in their last five, but that there's it's a bit of a, a false economy on that one. Um, I wouldn't say they're really in any hunt to to be in that promotion battle, but nor are they sort of in the threat of relegation. So they're, they're sort of in that happy medium. We know that theirs is a bit more of a longer term project. That's what they're hoping for. I think it's a good result for them. Fortuna are a really good side. And yeah, I think for them, it all goes through Fabian Riza, right? And he's obviously garnering a lot of attention in the transfer window as the, as the window closes very shortly. Maybe not these, you know, maybe not during the winter, but potentially in the summer. But he, he really encapsulates what he's really, he's, he's really, you know, galvanized the heart of Herter fans. I, I think he's, he's really adopted to life there. Very well, and I know I'm talking about a player who hasn't who didn't play on the weekend, but yeah, you can see what he does, and and you can sense that, especially in the second half, we sort of needed someone to dig in and do some of the hard yards. You know, Reza would have been that guy. So mm. uh, they're at VNV Spartan on Saturday, uh, whereas Fortuna Dusseldorf, as mentioned, Saturday night football against Saint Pauli. Speaking of, we we kind of touched on Furt team that is in that promotion mix. Well, they made the journey to Paderborn, two sides who had been in pretty decent form heading into the winter break. Paderborn were three games with consecutive wins. Furt unbeaten uh, in the last four. This game, oh, this game. Well, um, your final was 1-0. Armindo Zib was your goal scorer. And it's kind of a weird one because the numbers are strange. We had the biggest possession discrepancy for the match day. Furt were able to get a lot of shots on goal. You know, you know, 12 of them. They butchered a few of them in the first half. They had, uh, you know, Huagorta and Zeeb, who played really well together, kind of, yeah, they were a bit wasteful. Zeeb got the goal in the end. Um, but Paderborn equally, it's been a busy sort of window for them because it, it seems, as reported, that Florent Musli is going to head to Freiburg. Which is a great shame for them because he's been fantastic for Paderborn since joining from Hanover a few seasons ago. Obviously, they're going to get a fee for him and, and, and they're in the sort of modus operandi of trying to find his replacement um, for for the you know for the remainder of the season. We did see some action for uh, one of their newer players being uh, Cohen Costons. Uh, wearing the number, te- number 10, the 24-year-old Dutch uh, winger who was okay. You know, some good offensive uh, input. Plenty. Of, he was able to get shots on goal. A bit of a different player to what you you get from um, from Moslea, but, you know, was able to be respectable, I'd say, in that in that area. Um, but, yeah, they kind of... It was a weird one for Paderborn because they had their chances in the second half. Zentner... Zentner... Um, you know, he hit the post and then they got the penalty, which was saved by Jonas Orbig. Um, 
so so they're like their big thing heading into the, the games against Osnabrück, Fortuna Dusseldorf, and Kaiserslautern will be okay. We know that Musli is no longer seemingly not going to be part of the team. How can we find a system that is going to work? They they clearly had something going. They were cooking something. They were really strong offensively. You know they they controlled the ball. They had a lot of ball. You know seventy five percent of the ball. XG of 2.47. So they were getting high quality opportunities on goal. You know, they had what FOTMOB would consider seven big chances and they missed all of them. <laughs> so they were, they, they were balling. They were cooking. But there was someone who was cooking with the premium gas and it was Jonas Orbik who was so good in this game and it, it, he absolutely made sure he won this game for foot yes Seeb scored the goal yep we're we're all aware of you know to win games you have to score goals but you also have to keep the ball out of the back of the net and this man did everything in his power to make sure that that ball was not crossing the white line he pulled off save after save the penalty save is a corker because Grimaldi's absolutely put his foot through that and you know, there's a good chunk of time where some goalkeepers don't aren't saving that. But he was just unreal. It's his ninth clean sheet of the season, which, you know, if you're into the clean sheet stats, which, you know, as a goal as a former goalkeeper, you take you, you keep those, you bank those, they're receipts. Um Oh, he's so awesome. And he's been really good this season. He started off a bit shaky, admittedly, and there was sort of the call of okay, let's bring in Linda again, and they had the one game of Linda. And then Urbi returned. But Alexander Zorniger's sort of faith to, to keep him between the sticks, the, the young 20-year-old, is paying dividends. And it makes you sort of want to look into the future of what his future looks like because it's only a loan until the end of the season. And then he returns to Cologne. Who knows where Cologne are going to be playing next season? They could be back here. And given their transfer embargo, where that's they're not going to be able to bring players back into the club uh, to sign players. Ubig is, is at this level, is a number one goalkeeper. Comfortably. Comfortably. And, you know, I've, I've said it seriously on, you know, Adam Khan's Swider Bundesliga preview here on the podcast. I genuinely believe he's going to be a Germany interna- German international. I firmly believe that. And it's games like this we see his fantastic technical ability as a shot stopper, solid on the ball, and he's just so calm under pressure. Nothing phases him, it seems. If it does, he's done it. He's, he could be really good at poker too, because he, he'd be hiding it quite well. But he was fantastic. I, I loved his performance, and, and it was good to see that the Furt boys got around him at the end of the game, because he, he put in a hell of a shift. And whatever the the beverage of choice is down in Furt, I hope he got a whole case of it because he was fantastic. Let's see if he can repeat that performance against Holstein Kiel on the Sunday, which will be a fascinating game as well. Looking forward to that one too. Let's move to Elversburg. Elversburg hosted Hanover. When these two sides played last time, it was a draw. And Hanover... We're pretty disappointing in that game, in match day one. And we all felt that Elvisburg should have won the game, but they didn't. 
This this game, uh, yeah, look, a bit more even. I think the 2-2 draw is a fair result. Uh, your goal scorer is a brace for Nicola Trezoldi. He's got four goals this season. Important four goals. They're going to need him to, to, to pick the pace up a little bit. And that's a lot of pressure on a young footballer. But he's got the quality to do so. Um, they get Toykert back as well. Massive, because they, they, they really missed the punch um, when he wasn't playing. Uh, for Elversburg goal scorers, Yannick Rochholtz and uh, Frederick Yakel. They scored those two goals in the space of three minutes where Hanover essentially just had a period of hitting the nap button. And um, they fell asleep and it was enough for, for Elversburg to really hit the power. But I suppose at 2-1 down, and we've said this all season and, and we'll reiterate it, you just sometimes don't feel like this Hanover team can come back from the deficit. So it was a big character-building win uh, result for them. They didn't win, but it almost would feel like a win in a game that was really was really condensed. And I know, like, there's there is pressure on Stefan Lytle, whether you believe it or not. You know, this is a year and a half into the project. We we had an inkling that again they were going to go through some sort of phase of you know minimal return on points, but it's an important result for them. They need. Um, yeah, they need to pick up points. Their next three games are pretty tricky. Nuremberg, who are in really good, you know, we'll talk about them in Group 3, in good touch. Hansa Rostock is a game they should win. Should being the, uh, in, in um, quotations. And then Hamburg away, which will be a good test for them. But I think, I think Elversburg, it's kind of an interesting one because... They had, they had a really lean run of form heading into the winter break. Three games, three consecutive defeats. We know that they're they they're understandably a bit of an up and down team as mo, as majority of promotion sides are. But it, it, look, these are good results. You know they've got the the new stand. So on the TV broadcast, the far side is is you know they've got the stands up. Obviously, it was quite cold in Elvisburg. It was a snow game, which is why white was an interesting choice of jersey, but it is the home colours. Um, but look, you know, they were really good in the second half. Um, that, that, they really came out with the intensity. They get the goal through Rockout. Yakel getting his first goal, really nice finish. Um, but the second goal, they got caught out a bit in transition. And, you know, Nicholas Kristoff's had... He's been solid as you know in his first season in the Zweite Bundesliga, but he won't look too fondly on the um, conceded goal. To be beaten at the near post in the manner he was, um, yeah, not great. We've seen better from him this season. And look, he was good in this game. Just the two goals, you, you know, not much you can do about the first one, but the second one, yeah, it was a bit of a poor one. Seemed to be, he got his angles a bit wrong, per se, and as a result conceded uh, Elvisburg have Hansa they're at Hansa Rostock they will hope to avoid what happened in the initial fixture then Kaiserslautern at home before an away day at Fortuna Dusseldorf let's take our final break and on the other side we'll discuss the final three games of match day 18 starting at the Wildpark Stadion it's Karlsruhe against Osnabrück Karlsruhe have been one of the underperformers of the season and they knew that if they were going to march away from the bottom part of the table, they needed to start picking up results. 
Whilst they ended 2023 with victory, they needed to continue this trend going forward. They hosted an Osnabrück side who, well, it's going to be, it, it seems like it's going to be a really long season for Uwe Kosh in that side, and they didn't get off to a great start, conceding just four minutes into the game. Dennis Burnich's shot uh, cannoned into a gaggle of players, and the first to respond was Christoph Korbold, who sort of karate kicks it <laughs> into the back of the net. Uh, Philip Kuhn also wore a bit of boot, but the goal stood 1-0. Osnabrück, to their credit, did create some havoc for, for, for Karlsruhe. And even though Karlsruhe were probably the better side in the early phases, they started to get their offensive going. You know, uh, Conte in particular had a few chances. Dave Ganaza as well, creating havoc. And it's his goal on 24 minutes. Oh my goodness, what a goal this was. A stellar hit from distance, and uh, Sports Show had an unbelievable behind angle of the ball just curling away uh, into the corner and away from the hands of Patrick Dreves. Oh, super camera angle. Loved it. 1 1 uh, at the break. If there was someone who, through sort of, uh, is Kalzra. At this phase, it's Marvin Fun. It's like since since I've covered the Swider Bundesliga, is when when Karlsruhe needs someone to, to score a goal or, or set something up, he's the man. But this was all Igor Matonovic's work and gets to the byline, keeps the ball in play. It's a it's a good enough ball to beat several Osnabrück players and uh, yeah, Vanitek at the back tucks at home for a goal. <laughs> I think I think Sports Show also in some of their highlights packages, have done uh, Christian Eichner a little bit dirty. You know, he, he reminds me of the nervous eater. He, he eats because he's nervous. He had like a pear and they had a banana. On both the goals, he's eating fruit, which good thing he's eating fruit because to be honest, if I was coaching, um, I would have some sort of packet of chips or here we have uh, shapes, on its shapes, which are God-tier snack. They just are, you know? So, um, so if you're ever in Australia, you've got to try shapes. Personal favorite cheese and bacon. Nacho cheese equally is good. Pizza also good. Chicken crimpy, when salted well, is goaded. So that's made me hungry. Um, but yeah, you got done dirty there. But um, big result. So they've now won three of their last five, and unbeaten in that stretch. So eleven points out of a possible fifteen for them. Given where they were points wise, and given what's below them. In terms of form guide, good. This is good. You know, from 18 games now, they're level pegging 6 6 and 6. Devils up, horns up. 32 goals, 4 31 against. We know the defense is suspect, um, but there wasn't a whole lot they could have done uh, with that Ganaza long range effort on goal. Good result. Needed and necessary. And let's see if they can carry on this form going forward. Uh, I think the, the one of the other things they really need to work on is is very much phases of play. They they like they're really dominant in the early phase, and then they just they they relinquish control. Like, it's almost like we don't want it. We're comfortable. And they did it in this game, and and Osnabrück, to their credit, took it. They scored even towards the end of the half. You felt like Osnabrück were. A little bit stronger, 
But whatever Eichner said at halftime, he, he, whether he gave them a bit of a bollocking, I'm not sure. But much more intent, a bit more desire going forward, and, and they got the results. But um, yeah, I, um, I, I will say like Matonovic probably deserves a bit more credit for, for, for what it's worth. He didn't score in this game, but he was really strong. It was a very strong performance from him. Um, but also interesting to see how they mixed it up midfield-wise. They had Nabel playing as more of a 10. Bornich playing sort of more wide right. Seemed to work uh, without um, without Lars Stindl. So they won't have him until what looks like early February. So um, look interesting solution and maybe one they might want to look towards going forward. But um, yeah, good result for them. For Osnabrück, yeah, look. Probably the worst thing that could have happened on 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 match day eighteen was Braunschweig winning. It means the deficit now is is eight points, and eight points doesn't seem like a lot. That's it's it's three games. But given where Osnabrück are at, worst attack in the league, worst defense in the league, one win from their opening eighteen games, it's really hard to mount a case for this team and this squad. To find a way, and 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 it's it's probably one of those things where you looked at teams like Würzburg Kickers, Van Wiesbaden previously, where it you knew you had an inkling that this is going to be tough for them, and it feels very much in the same vein where you know you have sort of the renewed hope coming out of the winter break, and whilst they were okay in this game, you can see where all their deficiencies are. And it is really clear to see that, once again, it's going to be another hard season for Valfell Osnabrück. And whether they can turn it around, I'm not so sure. They've got Paderborn at home on Saturday, whereas uh, Kalsura are heading to the Volkspark Stadion to take on Hamburg. Two sides hoping to start the new year with a victory were both Nürnberg and Hansa Rostock. Rostock, it was all changed. Mercer Talenbegovic would be in the dugout for the very first time as Hansa coach. Nuremberg have had an interesting campaign, but a lot of it has to do with the, the young renaissance. The younger players have really driven this force, and as we've seen, Mats Molodaly no longer in Nuremberg. It's all Chan Uzun. He is the man, and boy, did he show that again on Saturday afternoon. He opened the scoring on 15 minutes, and what a goal this one was. An absolute perler. Uh, simple pass from Nathaniel Brown, but this curling gem. Mmm. Gorgeous. Just chef's kiss. And there's a good reason why Dortmund uh, and a lot of Bundesliga clubs are salivating at the idea of bringing Urzun into their team. Hopefully he can stay around for another six months at least. Great goal, Niels, uh, Niels Korber. No chance. Uh, he would score again on 36 minutes and this was just a gift, really. Uh, turnover from a throw-in of all things. Uh, it's not often you see a direct turnover from a throw-in, but... Uh, Urzun pouncing on what was a pretty loose throw from uh, Rossi Pal, cut through the defence, and goal number two, and then Jens Kastrop got his third goal of the campaign on 51 minutes to make it three. It was a very cagey game, not a lot of opportunities, only 16 shots on goal in total, uh, but Hansa really offered very little um, going forward. It was a um, a disappointing display. Uh, for a first outing, uh, really lacked uh, the punch up front. You know, it did seem like they were missing a junior Brumado. Uh, we get to see Sabret Singh, who was a favourite 
under Selenbekovic, Jan Regensborg. But yeah, they were pretty poor in this game. Uh, not really a whole lot to talk about. Uh, the, thanks to, to Braunschweig's victory, they drop into the bottom two, as we mentioned at the start of the program. And yeah, there's not a lot of hope. Yeah, they, they they hit the free fall and they obviously made the change of coach. You know, rele- releasing Alia Schwartz and yeah, it wasn't a particularly popular hiring, in the sense that everyone had seen what he'd done at Jan Regensburg. Uh, and um, yeah, it's going to be a tough turnaround. They got Elversburg at home, then Hanover and Osnabrück both away. Yeah, I just don't know. I'm just really uncertain about where Rostock are at at the moment. Uh, for Nuremberg, look, <clears throat> efficiency. A was super efficient. Three goals from their seven shots in the game. They look good. They will go as far as Urzern seems to take them offensively. Because the kid is special. Like, he is just special. Which is why it's going to be a big loss when he does leave Nuremberg because it will happen eventually. It's, um, yeah, wow. The kid is just on a different level. And, um, yeah. Another gem. I, I suppose the interest will be what nationality he picks. Whether it's Germany or or um or Turkey. Because the kid's the kid's that good. So we'll see. Um he's gonna be very, very much in demand um going forward. But yeah, it looks like he'll probably play for Turkey. So yep, we'll see. Um they've got Hanover away, which could be a really interesting test on Friday night. That's really unfortunate that's a Friday night game, because that's a that's a fair travel. Um, from from Nuremberg to to Hanover. Uh, then they've got Osnabrück at home, Van Wiesbaden away. That's also a Friday night game, but at least not as far. Um, but we'll see. Nuremberg are in seventh, so like they they they've improved vastly under Christian Fiel. Defensively, look a clean sheet. First one since uh, October, first of October against Magdeburg. First home clean sheet that is, because they did have one in away game. Previously. And lastly, let's talk about Magdeburg. Magdeburg hosted Van Wiesbaden. This game ended a goal to nil. Another one of these cage games. It seemed to be the theme a little bit. We saw these fantastic goals. and But for the most part, there were several games where not a lot was happening. It was a lot of back and forth. It was almost like tennis back and forth, but without sort of any shooting or already... Act- I wouldn't say it. There was plenty of action. Um, but yeah... A little, some teams really lacked a bit of clinicalness, and this game, yeah, was a bit up and down. Um, but uh, yeah, the goal coming from Tatsuya Ito substitute, they had the chance to, to they, they should have opened the scoring Magdeburg on 64 minutes. Alan Curry should have squared the ball into the box, uh, should have just squared it with the keeper coming out. He opts not to, <laughs> he shoots instead. With like a chippy boy and it goes wide. But yeah, the Ito goal is brilliant. The ball from from Silas Kanaka is so good. It's unbelievable ball. And where it looks like Ito has no angle, uh, he just puts his foot through it, smacks off the crossbar and uh, into the back of the net. It was a stellar goal. Stellar, stellar goal. And when you look at like where the two teams are trajecting at the moment, big win for Magdeburg. They actually leapfrog V-Spartan into 12th. Um, 
which is quite important in in the context they they lost on the final match day of the of the Hinderunda. They've been up and down. We know how good they can be. It's just whether they can realise that potential. That's sort of where they're at. V Spartan on the on the other hand, yeah. Look, it's almost like someone pumped the brakes or turned the tap off, and maybe we we put the mocker on them as well, where we got to, um, you know, they got to twenty two points, best part of the season, and since then they've they've lost four of the last five games. <laughs> It's it's rough and look scoring goals has been really difficult for them. Yeah, nineteen goals this season and only three teams that be at the bottom three teams have scored fewer times this season. Defensively, they are still elite, um, or very good at the very at the very most. You know, equal with Dusseldorf and only Fürth, Hamburg, and um, St. Pauli have better defensive records than V. And so yeah, goals. Are going to be hard to come by. Yes, you know they're they're missing John Idale, who's at the Asian Cup, and hopefully Graham Arnold will actually give him some minutes in their final game against Uzbekistan, uh, because I know what Graham Arnold's like as a manager. So that would be nice if he could give him twenty minutes or something to make his uh, trip worthwhile, as Australia will look to make a deep run at the Asian Cup. Uh, but it's also yeah, congratulations to John. Because uh, we know, I know how much uh, work he's been putting in behind the scenes, and yeah, it's good to see that he uh, ripped the rewards of, of being selected for the Asian Cup. So yeah, let's see what Vespa do. They they really need to find some goals. <laughs> they need to find the touch. Uh, can they do it against Hertha on Saturday? Maybe it's possible. But um, yeah, they they they're just going to be wary because they're only five points ahead of the relegation zone, and that. That margin can evaporate quite quickly. And they don't want to be in that situation. Uh, Magdeborg, they're at Eintracht-Braunschweig on Sunday. Should actually be a really interesting game because under Daniel Schoening, Braunschweig have started to become a bit more offensively interesting. Yeah, they still languish in the bottom three in goals in the division, but they are very much playing better football and look a lot more interesting. So that actually is a lot more of an interesting battle than it was maybe thinking about it a few months ago. So we'll see. Should be fun. Um, that's it for us. Thank you again for listening to the Spider Bundesliga podcast. Uh, it is nice to be back for 2024. I hope everyone had a fantastic holiday period, ate lots of food like I did, and, and uh, enjoyed, well, I suppose if it's snowy, enjoy the snow, and down under in the Southern Hemisphere, it's nice and hot. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for being a part of it. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss all of the action from Matchday 19. Until then, have a fantastic weekend of watching the best league in the world. And we'll see you next time when the Spider Bundesliga returns.